Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in 2 Thessalonians 2. There's only three chapters, so uh, by the end of the day we're two-thirds of the way through. So on Thanksgiving morning uh, you'll be able to uh, have chapter 3 as part of your, your devotion. Uh, we will have to pre-record because of Thanksgiving, so um, we will try to link to it. We'll put it on uh, YouTube, having issues with scheduling things on our Facebook, but we'll do the best we can. We'll get it out to you. Uh, chapter 2 of, of 2 Thessalonians is all about the end times. Um, but again, I want to remind you, it's, it's not about lining up charts. There, there are signs he presents here, things to look for. Um, but but we, we do need to learn to be careful not to um, look at our newspaper first and then try to make it fit in the Bible. Um, it's, it's a real problem that Christians have had, uh, certainly since, since my upbringing. Um, and something that I think, 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 I think that we, we still do that. So notice he, he begins verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now, um, what you have here is uh, two issues Paul is dealing with in First and Second Thessalonians, but particularly the second letter. One is the issue of suffering. It, it just continues to be an issue. We saw that in the first letter. Um, and so we saw yesterday about uh, um, being faithful, loving your neighbor, and persevering through affliction. So that is, that is still here. The other issue is that apparently these Christians have gotten a letter from someone claiming to be from Paul that has really uh, stirred confusion in, in the church. This was a problem um, in, in the early church. In fact, uh, the best examples we have of this are the Gnostic Gospels. The Gnostic Gospels are the Gospel of Peter, the Gospel of Mary, the Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of Philip, the Gospel of, of, of the Thomas, the infancy Gospel of Thomas, and, uh, and, and all of those. Well, um, those everyone knew that those weren't written by those apostles. They've been dead for 100, 200, 300 years, um, but they were done in the name of them. And so uh, modern readers, when they discover there's a Gospel of Thomas, or there's a Gospel of Peter, or a Gospel of Mary, or a Gospel of Philip, uh, they, they then assume... Um, that these were really written by, by these figures, these apostles, and uh, the church has just been uh, a, a, a bad old man and has, um, you know, shunned them. Well, no, that, that's not what happened, happened at all. What you get in the four Gospels are actual eyewitness testimony, as we'll see uh, Friday when we look at Second Peter 1. Um, but what you get in the Gnostic Gospels come much later, clearly motivated by philosophical, theological uh, issues there. Well, well, there seem to have been letters or uh, um, re uh, people claim to be representative of the apostles. And so Paul is writing saying, look, some things have been said regarding the, the return of Christ, uh, supposedly in my name, but it wasn't in my name. So, so he says, look, don't be shaken in mind or, 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 or to be alarmed um, because you know what the truth is. You know what the gospel is. And, and I think there's some real application there um, because we have a tendency today when we turn on the news, when we talk to family members over Thanksgiving meal or co-workers or friends or whatever it, it might be, um, but uh, we, we have a tendency to um, allow ourselves to be alarmed, to be driven by fear and anxiety and worry unnecessarily. If we are rooted in Scripture, 
and founded on the gospel of Christ. It doesn't matter what our circumstances are. It doesn't matter what rumors are out there. It doesn't matter what people are claiming or what is happening in the news. We are, we are truly free. And in that freedom, we possess the joy and peace, contentment, and love uh, that, that are given to us in Christ. Well, uh, given that there was confusion over the return of Christ, verse 3, Paul deals with it. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day, that is uh, a common way of speaking of the day of the Lord, uh, the return of Christ, um, will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. I don't want to get into all, all the details here. One of the things that I do believe we need to note here is that Paul lacks a lot of specificity. Part of that is likely because he's reminding the Thessalonians of what he's already told them. And also because um, uh, this is still in, in the future. So, so it's very specific. A man of lawlessness will enter the temple, all that sort of stuff. This is where you're going to get people claiming uh, that there will be the temple will be rebuilt sometime in the future. That's a it's a dispensationalist point of view. Some will see this fulfilled in the destruction of Jerusalem in AD seventy, where you have uh, a, a man of lawlessness and you have all of this sort of stuff. We've talked about some of that a little bit in our study of the Olivet Discourse in Matthew and Luke. Uh, at the first of the year, we'll start in Mark. So we'll return to Mark 13 to all of a discourse. In December, we'll be in the book of Revelation. So so we'll go through some of this stuff. But 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 my goal never is to be spe- specific, like look for this, look for this. This is going to happen. It's the way it's got to be. Um, but it's probably, this is the most specific Paul ever is on the signs of, of the end times. But even within that, there is disagreement. This talk of seated in the temple proclaiming itself to be God reminds one of uh, the uh, the desecration uh, under the Greeks, right? And and Jesus says that is the abomination that causes desolation. So what Jesus says, quoting Daniel, look for the abomination desolation, saying that it's already happened with the Greeks, and then uh, there will be another desecration of the temple. Some see that, again, in AD 70, with the destruction of, of Jerusalem and the temple. Some see it as a future event. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of both, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but regardless, verse 9, The coming of the lawless one is the activity of Satan, and with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasures, pleasure in unrighteousness. So you see what this emphasis here. One is, this is a, a, a spiritual battle, not a political one. Christians have got to grasp that. Um, our concern should be uh, a, a spiritual warfare, not political warfare. Um, and uh, so that's Paul's concern here, that, that this, this falling away language uh, is, is demonic. Uh, and so where you have delusion and deceit, there you will have the work of, of Satan. And you see the emphasis here is truth, to love the truth. Those who are in the truth will not be deceived um, and will persevere. So again, don't be alarmed. Don't be shaken. Don't be confused. Stand firmly in the truth. Now, now that, that's a section on the end times. 
Um, but but we need to see why he's writing this. Yes, we see confusion from, from this other letter from other representatives. Yes, we see issues of suffering. But but he 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 really applies it at the rest uh, of chapter two, verse thirteen to to seventeen. He says, "We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit, belief in the truth." And he says, "Look look, you need to know first of all, we're thankful to God for you as you should be thankful." Because God has led you to salvation, and those whom God saves, he says there, the first fruits to be saved, will be sanctified. And you're sanctified by the Spirit of God, by your faith in the truth of the gospel. So, so, so d- d- don't feel like as if um, you've missed the boat. Now, I remember several years ago, uh, it'd be 2012, I think it would be. You remember when Harold Camping claimed that it's like December no, it was like May 21st, 2012 was the end of the world or something, something like that. And I remember getting a call from someone who was really distraught saying, uh, today's in the world and I'm not, not ready for it. And that was someone I'd baptized uh, who had been growing in the faith, growing in discipleship. But, but there was this, this alarm. And I remember saying to this person, I hope for the first time in his, his life that he's actually right. I do hope today's the day the world ends. Right? I mean, we, we want Jesus to come back. But regardless, if, if Jesus comes back today, tomorrow, or whatever, we don't need to be alarmed. If we're standing in truth, we shouldn't be able to be easily shaken. He goes on, verse 14, To this he called you through our gospel, that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm. Hold to the traditions you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. It's a reference to First Thessalonians at the very least. He goes on, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So, so, so what's the point of this entire section? When we think of the return of Christ, we should immediately reflect on the first coming of Christ. In that our hope is Christ will return for his bride, yes. But first we've got to be part of that bride. And that is done through the truth of the gospel. And, 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 and when we grasp the truth of the gospel and the hope we have in the return of Christ, the benefit of that is comfort. How many times have we been at the, 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 the side of a, a loved one that we've lost? And, and there's comfort there saying that this is not the end of the story. Christ will return. He must have been victimized by uh, an oppression uh, a, a system or culture or worldview or neighbor or whatever. Uh, and, and we have to remind ourselves, this world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. And there will come a day when all injustices will be made right. And Christ will rule supreme over a new heavens, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. Be encouraged and comforted with that. Hope to see you guys here tomorrow.